Well, welcome to everyone from all the other communities. I think you're out in number Rochester today. A lot of our guys are away, different places, um, abroad and all sorts of things. So um, you're very welcome. Uh, I think most of you know me. I'm Nat. Um, I'm one of the leaders here. Uh, and obviously, New Year's Eve today. Tomorrow is a new year. A new year. Everyone looking forward to it? Some of us are looking forward to it. Some of us, uh, not really sure yet. New Year's a strange time, isn't it? And I've been thinking about this this over the week, actually. Um, I've actually been reading a few articles about what they're predicting for 2024. Because that's what that's what people try to do, don't they? There's always things that they're trying to predict. Um, important stuff like the economy, what's going to happen in the economy this, this coming year. I mean, 2023 has not been, uh, not been the most fun for some of us, is it? Um, will interest rates go up or down, stay the same, do loop the loop, who knows? Will Ukraine still be Ukraine next Christmas? What's going on in Israel? What's, how's that going to end? Lots of stuff. And obviously, less important stuff, but seemingly just as vital for many people. What will people be wearing next year? Anyone had a look at that? No? Apparently, it's going to be polka dots, knitwear, and short shorts. Although I won't wear short shorts. Not, not sure that's fair on any of you. Um, and if you're into sport, who's going to win the Premier League title? Any football fans in? Yeah? I imagine the Man United fans are probably quite quiet this morning. We'll leave it there. It's not important to the preach. But there are so many questions about the future that is not obviously yet written. But people want to know, don't they? They want to know stuff. And there's stuff that we want to know too. I mean, for example, I want to know if I can afford my mortgage this coming year. Um, I know it's about to go up. Are you thinking about next year too already? What are you thinking about? What are you concerned about? People want to know what's going to happen to them. People, many people, are scared of the future. It's uncertainty. Is it all going to work out all right? People want security and understanding of the future. We'll give them that. That's what they think, at least. If they understand, they feel a bit safe, a bit more secure. People watch the news because it's always worse somewhere else, and it makes them feel better about where they're at. People are looking for hope. They might not see it as that, but ultimately, people are looking for hope. Is my life going to get better in the next year ahead? And if we say we don't think the same sometimes, I think we kid ourselves. If I asked you whether you had any thoughts or concerns about the year ahead, or about the increased cost of living, for example, would you put your hand up? I would. The world we live in, the sinful world we live in, is designed to create fear and anxiousness. Why is that, do we think? Why, do, why is the world so full of fear and anxiousness? No one knows. It's the antithesis to who God is. It's the opposite to who God is. God is love. John, 1 John 4 reminds us that God is love. And it says that God's perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Hello. You going to come help me? No, he's not interested. Yeah, even as followers of Christ, we can be fearful sometimes, can't we? We can be worried about the future. We can be concerned. We don't like to call it fear, but that's exactly what it is. 
we can be affected by the world and the struggles that are within the world. One day, we're confident, we know, we're going to be fully perfected in God's love. Amen? That's something to be excited about. But we have to pursue God and the things of God. We have to run the race, as Paul talks about. The Apostle Paul encourages us to do in 1 Corinthians 9. It says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. He encourages us to run the race. The other thing that many of us do this time of year is think about New Year's resolutions. Anyone made any? Thinking about making any? Very quiet crowd today. I mean, we are crowded as well. Hopefully everyone's got a seat now. I think we've got literally every chair in the Jasper out today. What sort of resolutions have you made? You can shout them out if you like. Be healthier. You talking to yourself or me? Any others? Get up earlier. We were chatting earlier about trying to get up early before the kids so we can pray and read the Bible and do all that holy stuff, which is really hard when you've got younger kids. But we all make things, promises to ourselves or things that we hope for um, come the beginning of the year. We use it as a reset moment. It might be to be healthier. I'll, I will try to be healthier. Can't guarantee it, especially as there's treats after the service today, leftover Christmas stuff. Please eat it because it needs to go. Um, we might make pro uh, resolutions about changing job or moving house or, or working on a relationship or with improving relationships with, with family or with a spouse or a partner. Any of you children made little resolutions at all? Do you even know that I'm talking to you? It's all right. But we make all sorts of decisions about how we might improve our lives. That's what resolutions are all about. Often it's because we're not happy about where we're at. We're not happy with an aspect of our life. I'm so not happy about this. Middle-aged spread, as I like to call it. And we use New Year as a moment where we try and reset ourselves. That's what it's all about. To try and change it. I think it's a common state of, of humanity generally, not to be happy with our status quo. We always want more. We always want things to be better. We're never quite happy. That's especially true if you're British. Never quite happy. Now, it sounds like I'm making the resolution seem to sound like a bad thing. I'm not, really. I think they can be really useful. But I think we have to be careful as Christians about our motive when we make them. I'll come back to that in a minute. They can help us address important things that we need to think about, like being healthier, living a healthier lifestyle, because we should look after our bodies, the temples that we've been given. So if we're not doing well in that, then it's good wisdom to try and address it, address it. And we shouldn't do it once a year. We should try and do it every week, every day, if we can. But if we're trying to make changes just because we're unhappy with our life, then I think we have to check the motive of our heart in that moment. It's okay to desire better, but the Bible seems to suggest, as I suggest, it 
it tells us that we should have a positive mind and heart in our current circumstance too. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18 says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's an amazing verse. I'm going to be honest with you this morning. When I started putting this together, it was pretty hard for me because I'd, in part, lost sight of the truth of what I've just read in Thessalonians myself, if I'm honest. Um, and I had to talk to someone, get some prayer to uh, help myself refocus. I felt a bit battered by life in recent weeks. Work is currently really difficult, has been for a while. Um, I've been fighting this horrid coughing virus that's been going around. Just about there now, but it's taken about three weeks to get through it. Um, which my family are really pleased about, especially Michelle. Um, and then if that wasn't enough, just before Christmas, our washing machine decided to pack up. I know, that's a really an art moment. I mean, as first world problems go, I mean, that's pretty bad, isn't it? Losing your washing machine. I mean, who wants dirty pants? Anyone? No. Let's not go there. Life can be like that sometimes. Stuff happens. And especially if you're trying to pursue God as best you can, you can guarantee stuff will happen, that stuff will get in the way. And I'm sure that's true for, for most of us, if not all of us in this room. Satan's favorite thing is to create or use situations that turn our attention away from God. That's his favorite thing. It's to stop us focusing where we need to be focusing. Things that stop us resting in the goodness of the Father. We just sung about the goodness of God, didn't we? If he can keep us not thinking about that, then he he's, feels like he's winning. And I think in reality, for some of us sometimes, if not all of us sometimes, sometimes it can be too easy for him to do that. Now, if I was Wanu, and Wanu's in the room, um, I'd start singing the song at this point. Wanu, if you don't know Wanu, sitting there, wave Wanu. I think everyone knows Wanu. When he preaches, he normally sings about three songs in the process of it, which is fabulous, and we all joined in. Um... But when I was writing this, I started thinking of that old hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. I'm not going to sing it, don't worry. And the things of earth, I heard that, will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Should we sing it? Go on, one, kick us off. You're the pro at this. Upon Jesus. Look all in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Wonderful, beautiful, great singing. Well done, everyone. It's a beautiful song, isn't it? I think it's inspired by Psalm 123. And it was written, actually, by a lady, look this up, that's the only reason why I know, um, called Helen Howarth Lemel. She was a Victorian lady. Um, and interestingly, she's thinking about turning her eyes. She was actually blind when she wrote this. Um, she, she wasn't born blind, she lost her, lost her eyesight. But, of course, she's not talking about physical eyes, is she? At all. She's actually referencing, referencing the position of her own heart. 
turning her heart towards Jesus. She's saying, as I turn my heart towards Jesus, knowing what, when she does that, everything else becomes less important. Almost invisible, or dimly, as she says, by comparison. I'd like to do a little demonstration to help us understand that. Um, ideally, uh, this needs to be adults, um, but I need three volunteers. If we could have one from the one from Rochester, she have one from another community. Go on, I'll make you work. We're always doing demonstrations and little things in this in Rochester. I mean, I can pick people. I really don't mind. Mike will. <laughs> Go on in, Mike. Right, one of you needs to be Jesus. Any? Right. One of you needs to be trouble. George, you can be trouble. In fact, if I move that over there for a second. So, so George, if you come over here, go right over there. Mike, if you're going to be Jesus, you go right over there. And Michelle, it's a great name. Wonderful name. Yeah, that's perfect. Right, if you can look at, at trouble for a minute. This is the world. This is everything that's in your life. That's going on in your life. Have to take a quick look at him. Not too long. Yeah, had a good look. Now, can you look at Mike, who today for one day only is Jesus? I mean, Jesus didn't really look like that. But we'll just pretend. But if you can turn completely towards Jesus, and can you study him for a couple of minutes? Look at his features. What colour shoes is he wearing? Look at his terrible shirt. His appalling hairstyle. So I'll get I'll get it I'll get it back anyway. Yeah, if you don't know, Mike's my fishing buddy. Um and we're always abusing each other. Yeah? Do you think you know him well enough? Okay. So if I was to ask you, without turning around, keep looking at Jesus. He's wonderful to look at, really. Jesus loves him. Kay does to an extent. Can you tell me what colour shoes that George is wearing? Are you wearing black shoes, George? No, oh, he's wearing brown shoes. Can you tell me what colour uh, shirt he's wearing? No. What colour uh, shoes is Mike wearing? What colour trousers is he wearing? Navy. And you know that because? Because you're looking at Jesus, a.k.a. Mike. That's it. You can sit down if you like. Thank you. I hope that helps you understand. But when Michelle was looking at Mike, looking at Jesus, she didn't know what George looked like. She couldn't remember. And she looked at him just a couple of minutes before, hadn't taken anything in, which has kind of helped me out with the demonstration. The point is, when we look at Jesus, we forget what's going on. We know, we know George was still there. You knew George was still there. He hadn't disappeared. The world hadn't gone away. The struggle hadn't gone away. But somehow, it's less relevant because you're looking at Jesus instead. When we look at Jesus, the things of God and the things of God... We no longer see the world in quite the same way. 
with quite the same perspective. I referenced 1 Corinthians 9 a little earlier about when the Apostle Paul likens our pursuit to God, pursuit of God to like running a race for a prize that only one person can win. He's not actually saying that only one person can win, thank goodness. It's not like a race that we might see at the Olympics, for example. But he's saying rather we treat it like a race where only one person can win. Because if we do that, we'll run harder, we'll run faster, because we don't want to lose and we don't want to be second or third or any other position. We want to get the prize. The beauty of the gospel of grace is it's not a race that only one person wins. The beauty of the gospel of grace is it's so wonderful, so generous, it's a prize that we can all obtain. Amen? We can all win the race. Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us also set aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. It kind of mirrors the hymn we just sang, doesn't it? Run the race. Look to Jesus and keep on running. It's, a, it's an endurance race. You're not up against Usain Bolt or whatever the fast runner is these days. Now he's retired. It's a marathon. It's something you keep doing daily, week by week. You keep running in the same direction as hard and fast as you can. In Matthew 6, Jesus himself tells us to seek first his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he says. Now, if the Bible is clear, and Jesus himself is saying it, we need to listen, and we need to put it into action. So, why you talk about this subject on today of all days, on New Year's Eve? Well, New Year is a wonderful opportunity to reset ourselves for the year ahead, to think about what's coming up. But as I mentioned earlier, the motive of our heart is critically important when we do that. We have to begin as we read earlier, by being thankful. We have to be thankful even if life's difficult. I still haven't got a washing machine. But I, have to be th I need to be thankful that lots of people have helped us out and washed our clothes for us. That's the blessing that comes with being part of the body of Christ and having good neighbours. There's blessing even in difficult stuff, even in difficult times. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Things that we aim for, things that we, we want to achieve and want to happen to us in the year ahead need to be based on the will of God. I'm not particularly good at memorising verses of the Bible. My memory's not great. Goodness knows what it'd be like when I'm actually old. But if I was good, if you can give it a go, then I'd start with 1 Thessalonians 5 because that's such an encouragement for us to use in terms of doing a daily heart check each and every day. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstance. Three things. Get up in the morning and say, am I joyful today because of the goodness and grace of God in my life? Am I speaking with my father daily through prayer? Am I doing that? Am I thankful to God who sustains me in all things? That's three simple things we can ask ourselves every day. 
just by understanding and knowing that scripture. And there will be days when it's properly hard. And there'll be days in 2024 when it's properly hard and difficult to do. If it's always easy, then we're not bothering Satan enough because Satan won't throw stuff in your way if he doesn't need to. If you choose to turn your heart towards Jesus and pursue him, then Satan and his minions, and kids, I don't mean the little yellow things. Um, They're quite good, I think, although they follow a bad guy, don't they? But Satan and his minions don't want us to do that. He doesn't want us to pursue God with everything that we have. He wants the opposite. And he will challenge those three areas of your life. And he'll do it every day if he, if he needs to. He'll try and take away your joy. He'll make it harder for you to be thankful by giving you stuff that you don't want to be thankful about. I've had to pray prayers recently that I don't really want to pray. Pray blessing over, over, over situations when I feel injustice against me. But that's what you do. You press in regardless. You bless, you be thankful. And the devil will seek to interrupt your communion with God the Father, most of all. That's what he'll do. He'll want to turn you away from Mike and get you looking at George. You can argue amongst yourself later on whether that's good or a bad thing. But he'll turn you away from Jesus and he'll try and turn you towards what's going on in your life. That's maybe not what God wants. We started with a reference from 1 John 4, didn't we, at the beginning? And I'll finish with one, another one from the same chapter, actually. Verse 4 says this, it says, For he that lives in you is greater than he that is in the world. A great verse from the Bible. And in some ways, probably the biggest understatement there is in Scripture. The word greater just doesn't feel grand enough when you think about the comparison. On one side, we've got the Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, who has dominion and authority over all life, in the past, now, and forever. Versus Satan, who's already beaten, already lost, and only has a limited authority on earth for a period of time. It's like me climbing into a boxing ring for a fight and then realizing it's Tyson Fury. You wouldn't get in the ring, would you? I mean, I'm as tall as him, but my, my weight's all in the wrong place, unfortunately. You'd be an idiot too, wouldn't you? You'd, you'd, you'd get out and run away. You'd be like, mate, it's all right, you can have it. I forfeit. You would. And that's the reality. That's the difference between the power of God and the wiles of Satan. The power of God is infinitely greater. It's not even a fight for God. The word of God is enough. And it's a reality we can depend upon when we face adversity in life. Christ, through the cross, has already run the victory. It's complete. It's finished, he said, didn't he? So as one year ends and another one begins, let's use the truth of what we just heard to guide our aspirations, our wants, our desires. I mean, after all, God's the God of fresh starts. You can see it throughout Scripture, of new beginnings. There's always opportunities for that. You can see lots of them in the Old Testament. Actually, the grandest we know we can think about is the gospel. The gospel is all about a fresh start, all about a new beginning. We just celebrated Christmas when we remember that God's only son became flesh. God became man, lived as a servant king, even to death on a cross. And he did it for all of us here. He did this to enable a fresh start for all humanity. 
a prize that we can all obtain, as we just heard. That all may know him as Lord and Saviour. That's good news, isn't it? Got half the room now, I think you're warming up slowly. So, how should we respond this morning? Well, I thought we could make some New Year's resolutions together. Um, and I haven't prepared well for this because I need some paper and pens. Can uh, Capola Roche, the folk, find some paper and some pens, please? And then begin to hand them out. I thought we could all write down three aspirations or resolutions or, or commitments. Commitments is probably a better word that we want to focus on over this next year. And it's great, actually, that we've got different communities amongst us because you can take this back to your communities if you're not Rochester as well. Or you might like to put them on a pot. So we've got a little pot here. But when we're thinking about our, our resolutions or our commitments, think about what we just talked about and what we commit to. You can do this by yourself. You can get in little groups and discuss it together if you like. But it's three things I'd like you to consider when we do this. And we'll give you a bit of time, which is why my preach is quite short this morning. Number one, write down something you'd like God to help you with personally this year. This is for you personally. That you'd like God to help you with this year. Number two, what would you like God to do in your community this year? Don't just write down, I want him to bless it. Think a bit deeper than that. What would you like God to do in your community this year? If you're visiting for another community, think about your own communities. I mean, you can bless Rochester. You're very welcome to do that. But think about your own communities. And lastly, let's think about God as well. What can you do or grow in for God this year? What do you love God to really push you on him and that you really like focus yourself on doing for him? Because it's all about him ultimately, isn't it? It's all about the glory of God. When we've done that, we'll... Uh, We'll give a short time where we can maybe pray in groups of three or four. I know it's a bit more problematic this morning because there's so many in the room. Um, so it might be a bit messy, but that's fine. We're not in a hurry. We've got a good 10 minutes or so we can do this. And it's not compulsory. If you really don't want to do it, just don't do it. Absolutely fine. Um, and then when, when they're done, so there's a pot at the front here, which I'll, I'll wave around. Um, It'd be great if at least some of them ended up in that pot and then we can review them later in the year. We can see what God has done and then what we can do, we can give thanks. We can rejoice in what he's done. So let's take, let's take 10 minutes. Do it with your kids. Get your children involved. So there's three things. Number one, what would you like God to help you with personally this year? So it can be a practical thing. Number two, what would you like God to do in your community this year? What would you like your community to grow in? So this time next year, when you look back, your community looks different. And lastly, what can you do for God this coming year? What can you grow in? What do you want God to grow in so you can better serve him? Uh, Becky wants to bring a bit of encouragement. That's okay. Um, I just thought it's quite significant when um, Matt was bringing that word to us, when he was saying, actually, when I was preparing, 
I just really examine myself and think about actually, have I been doing all those things? And, be, and to, so I need to speak to someone. I need to talk to a friend and actually get back on track, really. So I think this is a, an ideal opportunity at this end of the year. When, when I look back and think of the times actually I've taken my eyes off of Jesus and think, oh, I'm all right. I can do it. I'll be right. I'll be right. It's okay. It's okay. And actually, I need to look at Jesus and to really trust in everything that he was doing. Um, I've got to the end of that year and now I can see, oh, yeah, it was all right. God, yeah, thank you that you did. And, I, and he is faithful and he has got me through so much. But I just felt it was significant that actually um, this is a time that we can actually repent. And repent is a, is a big, horrible word. I don't like that word at all. But actually that's what we need to do is actually say, okay, Lord, actually I, I repent for taking my eyes off of you, thinking I can do it in my own way. And actually now I'm turning my, my eyes again back to you. Help me. Keep me focused. Keep my eyes on you. That's an ideal opportunity to do that, either during worship on your own or with um, the group of four, or as Nat did, speak to a friend afterwards and say, do you know what, I really need some help with this. Um, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you've got to say sorry. I mean, I say sorry more than I should, to be honest, but then that's because I make too many mistakes. Um, but if you want to pursue God, that means saying sorry at times. It really does, because we're, we are flesh. Um, we're going to get it wrong sometimes. Um, and then one thing about the body is we can help each other to do that as well. Help each other to correct our direction. Last answer to, uh, to, to give us an idea what you've written down, if anyone wants to. I'll tell you my three, if you like. No? I'll put this in the middle, and then if people want to put them in there, then feel free to do so. So my three, just to encourage you about what I've written. Uh, so I want God to help me with time management this coming year. Um, my life is crazy busy. Kind of do three jobs, um, two of which, well, one of which is unpaid. Um, in terms of community, I want to see us grow in community this year so that we're doing life together Monday to Sunday. Um, a bit more than we are now. And there's a lot of stuff coming centrally from, from our elders about that next next Sunday to look forward to. Um, in terms of growing in God, I'm like Jasmine, and I want to get up have some more quiet time when the kids are still asleep, which is means I have to get up even earlier than I do already um, to focus on, on studying stuff a little bit more this year. So they're, they're my three, um, which I also put into the pot as well. And you're welcome to review what I've written down and come back to me and say, well, your time management is still rubbish. What's going on? But that's how we grow each other. I mean, I'll tell you the guy I spoke to it was, when I was doing my sermon prep, it was it was Tony. I just messaged him about something else. He, he messaged me. I replied to that and I put on there, can you pray for me? I'm struggling a little bit doing preach prep and I'm not really in the right space to do it. Um, and he rang me up and we chatted and then we prayed. But we can do that with each other. That's what your communities are about. It's about helping each other grow closer to God together. That's what the community is about. If you focus on nothing else this year, then focus on that.